Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. Sally Douglas. I'm the minister at Richmond Uniting Church, and you're welcome here. This is the audio reflection for Sunday, May 8th. And before continuing to listen, I invite you to read the readings from Scripture so that you have the context. Today we're focusing on particularly the Revelation reading. It's Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 to 17. And we'll touch briefly on the Gospel, John 10 verses 22 to 30. So I invite you to read Revelation 7, verses 9 to 17, and then come back to the rest of the reflection. Let's pray. Tender God, you who come to us in Jesus, the living word, Please guide my words and all of our listening and speaking and reflecting that we may hear your voice to us and have the courage to respond as you call us to. Amen. So these words from Revelation 7 are so striking. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Readings from this book, Revelation, the last book in the New Testament, are often not included in the lectionary cycle, the three-year cycle of readings. So I'd like to give us a little bit of context about this book because whilst it might be known of in popular culture at times or in film, often we don't focus on it or explore it very much. So I think it's most helpful to think about this book as a book of poetry or even as a dream journal. Within this book, the author says of themselves that they're John and that they're in exile on the Isle of Patmos, a Greek island, and you can still go there and there's a cave where John is said to have written the text. Now, we're not sure which John this is. Some biblical scholars think it might be the author of the Gospel of John or behind that or or the letters big debates, often that's not thought to be the case. Interestingly, though, Justin Martyr, who's an early church writer born in 100 in the Common Era, he just refers to the text in passing, so it's already been written by the time he's writing, and he says it was written by John, uh, who's one of us, who's an apostle of Jesus. So whichever John this is, it's someone Justin thinks has spent time with Jesus in ministry and then goes on as a person of faith Um, being exiled because of his conviction that Jesus is raised. And this author, John, is really clear that he's writing down dreams and visions. So I think Dream Journal is a helpful way of helping ourselves to kind of ground ourselves in what's going on in this genre. It's a complex book. It's full of symbols and metaphors. It's apocalyptic. That means revelation, uh, like the revealing. And it's deeply grounded in Jewish understandings, Jewish metaphors and symbols. So when we approach this book that is full of dreams and metaphors and symbols as some kind of fortune-telling book, a way of predicting the future or decoding events today, we, we cheapen the text so badly and we run the risk of misinterpreting it, oversimplifying it, 
And we do great damage to ourselves and other people. Indeed, you have had, may have had the experience of someone quoting the text at you and doing great damage to you. Back in the 1990s, and this has been going on for centuries, but back in the 1990s there was great fear that um, identity cards were the mark of the beast. Some of you may recall that. And right now in contemporary context there are some anti-vax groups who somehow see vaccination as the mark of the beast as, as somehow linked to this ancient text. When we humans are scared, we long for clarity. We long for there to be a sense of what's coming next. And when things seem out of control, we long for there to be order. And so finding ways of saying, well, this is what's happening or this is what will happen are, are immensely popular, particularly at times like a global pandemic or when wars are raging. So it's no surprise that this kind of fear and these kind of views are really spreading right now in our current context in our global village because so many people are utterly gripped by fear. But it's not a faithful way of approaching the text it doesn't do justice to what's going on. Instead of trying to manipulate uh, mystical writings that were at times likely actually speaking about the Roman Empire in the current context but using coded language because, you know, you could get arrested and exiled if you criticised Rome. Uh, instead of trying to shoehorn these ancient words into addressing particular contemporary issues or just ignoring the text, I invite us to stand back just a little bit so that we can see the deeper themes and the wider messages. In this astonishing vision that we get to glimpse today, like we're peering over the shoulder of John, and here we see this image of God who gathers in the people from every nation, every tribe and language. All are gathered to the throne of the Lamb, Jesus, the nonviolent one, the one whose kingdom a reigns complete but is not grounded in weapons or maintained by weapons. Instead, this is the throne of the one who endures our violence, even to death. This is the God one, the Lamb of God, who is paradoxically also the great shepherd, the one who rejects all violence, loves us to death and then discloses that this love is stronger than all of our weaponry combined. At the centre of this incredible vision of all the people streaming in across culture and language is the promise that despite the kingdoms of this world, despite the pain and the suffering we endure, despite the violence Divine love and life are stronger and they seek to gather all in from all nations. There are no distinctions. And what is more? Here is the proclamation that this God sees the pain, sees the tears and cares. They're not irrelevant. John says God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This gathering in is personal. Just imagine when you've been down in the hole, the pit of despair, whether you could shed the tears or whether there were so many of them and they were so deep that you couldn't let them out. Just imagine knowing and trusting 
that God really is with you, this God, this God who comes to us in Jesus. This is the God who is with us in our ongoing struggles. Christian faith is not about pretending that everything's awesome or believing the lie that when you're really faithful as a Christian, then that's the guarantee of good times and blessings. It's a pretty hard philosophy to maintain in the face of reality, but also from the very earliest times, as we see in the Gospels, as we see in this reading from Revelation today, being a follower of Jesus sometimes increased the suffering. You might get hassled, exiled, imprisoned. Some first followers are executed. Being a Christian is not some path to easiness. Instead, it's about being transformed and being drawn into, quite frankly, what is often annoying. It's being changed, transformed into this way of learning to love and serve that is so different to the messages of our world, of our culture, that constantly tell us to look after ourselves only. Entering into this way can increase suffering. I'm not suggesting that that's a good thing. It's just it's so bizarre for Christians to think that being a Christian alleviates suffering. But in this call, in this transformation of following Jesus more deeply, while it's hard, there's also the discovery that here we chase freedom and meaning that we come home to ourselves and to God and and what we're really made for. And it's also discovering, as this vision declares, deep down in our marrow that we really are beloved in the middle of the mess, in the struggles, that God is with us, calling us by name, calling others by name, attending to our tears and drawing us on to the next step, just the next step of healing and new life and truth. In our communities right now, a lot of people are coming through deep tears. I suspect you know many people who are in this place. And my personal hunch is that uh, COVID and lockdowns, they've maybe been a bit like a poultice. They haven't caused the suffering. Sometimes they have, but sometimes they haven't caused the suffering. But they've been the catalysts that have drawn them to the surface, like a poultice with a splinter drawing it to the surface. Maybe this is your experience right now. So what what do we do with this good news that God sees our tears and, and longs to wipe them away, that God God's love is stronger than all the suffering and violence? Because it's not just for us, it's for others, this news. Well, sometimes when we're journeying with someone, we can share this. We can share our conviction that the one who created the universe is with this person in their pain and weeps with them and longs to gather them up. Sometimes we can ask, you know, can I pray for you? Sometimes we can share a recommendation of a, of a book or a poem or a podcast. But sometimes we can't. If people are really shut down in their spiritual lives, even as you long to support them and offer a word of hope, to say anything about spirituality or theology or God at that time will only drive them further away from God. I suspect you know people who are in this place. So to say something might just do far more damage. What do we do then? 
I think we need to come back to the arms of God, the one who is with us and with, with those we love and are concerned for, and pray for wisdom. What do I say? What do I not say? Bring the whole situation to God. Sometimes the greatest gift we can offer is to not speak, is to listen and bear witness. But always as we continue to journey through this, living with COVID new normal, we're suffering in our families and friendship circles and in our global village, always as people of the way, as Christians, we're called to come back to the deep knowledge of the love of God, the unpower of God, Revealed in Jesus the Lamb, that is stronger than the grave, that is stronger than despair and violence, that continues to be present and moving and gathering in. People may ignore this movement, that's their choice. They may thwart this divine love, that's their choice. It's not all up to us. But what we're called to do is to rest in the love and to attune ourselves to the movement of spirit and what she is doing in this work of healing and holding and gathering in, knowing that it's not all up to us. We're just called to play our part in the unfolding love of God and let the lamb, the humble king, the good shepherd, do the rest. Amen.